0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
1: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Graps Express. This is the episode where we make it make sense. We take that name and we reclaim it, we make it real. I'm really, really conscious that for the last couple of weeks that all I've been doing is talking about English wrestling and I've called my podcast Euro Graps Express. So I think it's high time we actually went to Europe and we're going to spend the entirety of this episode in Germany talking about WXW 16 karat gold weekend. I think that's that's really appropriate, not only because the podcast is called Eurograps Express, but sixteen carat gold is a is a really significant point in the calendar, or at least it has been in previous years. Obviously, with with the pandemic and and, and everything else, it, it's dropped off. But it felt like when sixteen carat gold happened, you would you would open Twitter, and if you were in that that British and Irish circle, you would see everybody going over there to to celebrate wrestling. It wasn't so much about what happened in the ring. It was, it was more about everybody going together as fans and enjoying, enjoying what was there and enjoying being together and, and and being friends. And I mean, I'm not particularly part of that. I'm, I'm, you know, between having crippling social anxiety and a career in education, I can't just, I can't just get the train over to or the bus or the whatever or the plane over to Germany. Um, but it almost felt like we were part of it just by looking at it on Twitter. It, it was it was it was fantastic, um, and it's great to see it back. Germany is a country that I that I absolutely love, and I've only ever been the once. I've been for a week. I went to Berlin once about five years ago, and I I loved it. Um, it was a really last minute thing. I didn't really expect to be going, and it was one of those when, you know, you just you've got some time off work, and and you know you're having a bit a bit of a tough time, and my wife said to me, well, we really need to book somewhere, we need to go away, and, and we went on Skyscanner and found cheap old flights, and it was to Berlin, and I, I wasn't really expecting much, but I found myself coming back from that holiday in a in a really weird state of mind. I've been to lots of cities in Europe, you know, and uh, I've come back from places like Paris and Barcelona and, I, I, and Dublin, and I feel like I had a, a fantastic time, and, um, you know, it was a uh, a whirlwind of culture and food and drinking and stuff in my fat face and, and, and getting to, you know, just spending time with my wife and having a great time. But I came back being really glad to be in the arse end of Salford. But when I came back from Berlin, I, I felt really different. I felt like actually I could live there. I've got these really happy memories of, of walking around Berlin late at night to a ramen restaurant that a friend had recommended and and then coming home and, and walking through this park that was lit up by fairy lights and looking around it was one o'clock in the morning on a Friday night and seeing this park full of people, young and old, black, white, everyone, you know, all, everyone you could imagine having a couple of drinks in this park and relaxing and me and my wife went to the corner shop and we got a bottle of red wine and a few beers and we sat down in this park and, and we had a chat, and everyone around us was just talking. I couldn't hear what they were saying, but it was that vibe, that feeling of everyone just being together and getting along. And it was just a really lovely experience that, that's always stuck with me. And, and nights like this, when I'm, I, as I say, I'm in the arse end of Salford, as always, I record these late at night, and I'm, I'm looking out my, my my big dining room window out at the street. And those are the kind of places that I think about when I'm on my own late at night. Those kind of happy things. But anyway, I'm kind of digressing. I don't think that the WXW Carrot Weekend is anything like that. It's a massive piss-up. I think it's the Britress equivalent of Ibiza. And it looks fantastic. Um, Not necessarily for me, given the fact that if I have two beers, I fall over. Um, But for the people that go, it looks brilliant. And I think there's a feeling around Carrot that is exciting it they call it in the uh, in the commentary and in the announcing they call it the um a festival of wrestling, and I just think that's a lovely idea, and it's something that we don't really have anywhere in the world, certainly not in the West. I suppose we've got wrestlemania weekend, but that's gone now hasn't it that's that's dead and buried um but it's it's nice to have a celebration of wrestling, and I think that's in a lot of ways what carrot has been and what carrot wants to get back to being um so in this episode, we're going to go through pretty much every show. Um, the only shows that I'm going to miss out is uh, there was a recording of Wheel of Wrestling that has literally gone up minutes before I've hit record. So I've not had time to watch that. And there was also a show where lots of promotions around Europe um, put in offer matches. And that's not gone up yet, and I feel a bit disappointed about that because that that kind of feels like a Euro Graps Express thing to do, you know. I feel like that's what I want to be looking at is the is the uh, is the offer matches from from European promotions. But hey, it is what it is, and if there's anything good on that, I'll I'll, I'll get back to you. In fact, actually, I should have mentioned that the title Euro Graps Express um, is not because I'm a dog who's into trains. I don't know anything about trains. I'm a doc who's into Crawford, and uh, the Trans Europe Express record uh, came to mind when I was thinking about Europe, um, so that, 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 that's why the podcast is called what it's called. So I think we should get right into it. We're going to start with the first show of the weekend, uh, which was the Inner Circle show, uh, Carrot Gold 1, 2 and 3, and also the Ambition show. And we're going to talk about every match. I thought about lots and lots of clever ways to do this, whether I was going to rank them or I was going to maybe try and come up with some narratives that that we could link all the way through. But remember, this podcast is a late night chat with a mate about wrestling, so we're not going to get too fancy. I've got a big Google Doc with all my thoughts and we'll, we'll go through them and we'll see where it ends up. So go and put the kettle on make yourself a cup of tea and I, I really do mean that as well and this <laughs> this reminds me of something that when I, I started podcasting nobody told me um they n- nobody told me what the hardest thing was going to be you know everyone talks about the research that you have to do and, the, and actually watching the wrestling and having the hot takes but the hardest thing I found about podcasting is the transitions and how to move from one section to another, and I've come up with these little darky phrases like "go and make a cup of tea," um, because it, it just feels friendly, doesn't it? I'm, I feel like I've invited you in in a, in a weird way. There's something about being in a in an English home. Uh, you invite someone in, you offer them a cup of tea as a as a as a bargaining gesture that you're not a dickhead, that you, you're a friendly person, and you have manners. So that's why I started saying it and I I went on the Discord, the Voices of Wrestling Discord and people are actually making cups of tea while they listen (laughs) and I just think that's fantastic.
0: Um,
1: So please go make a cup of tea. I've got one here. I've got a cup of Yorkshire tea. Um, I've also got some biscuits as well. So get some biscuits. I've got some Jabby Dodgers and some Whisper biscuits um, that I'm dipping in and I, I think you should do that as well. I think you should find joy in the little things in life and I don't think there's many things more joyful than a, a, a cup of tea and a biscuit to dunk in it. Maybe next week I might have cheese and crackers, because that's another thing that, that is just is wonderfully joyful. Just little things that, that make your life better. We don't need big things to make our life better. We don't need holidays and cars and, monies and, and money and mansions and, or anything like that. We need tea and biscuits and cheese and crackers. And we also need wrestling. So, genuinely go and put that kettle on. And let's talk about some wrestling. So, before we get into the tournament proper, we had a little show in a circle um, in the WXW training center for the real hardcore fans. You know, anyone there was was a proper nutter you just you, you just had to see more wrestling they'd gone to a, a weekend of wrestling and they just needed more wrestling than they could possibly tolerate um but actually inner circle was a was a really good show um it was it was a really nice show to watch as well because it, it featured wrestlers who were on the bigger cards. Um, in a more intimate setting, and, and for people who may maybe fallen behind a bit on WXW, which I, I think is most people to be fair, he um, gave you a little bit of a catch-up, especially with the Hungarian talent that they're using a lot of now, you could kind of get to know them, and overall they did a really, really good job of introducing that talent um, we started off uh, with uh, Shigehiro Irie, who's obviously a, a, an old WXW favourite from Japan against Guliash Jr Um and Irie is just lovely to see he's he's somebody who I've, I've seen briefly in Japan, I know he, he did a few uh, all Japan shots, I, I tend not to watch the DDT stuff, um, but he's somebody who is that old travelling wrestler that we don't really get for, for very obvious reasons who's just really well received in Europe, um, I feel often in places like WXW where a, a, a foreign talent goes there and embraces it, that that's really appreciated um, and Irie has built that up over the years and he clearly loves being in Germany and going back and he's going to be somebody we're going to be talking about a lot Um, I feel like he takes his time in Europe seriously and not everybody does that a lot of travelling talent kind of treat Europe as a bit of a joke and they go through the motions but Irie never does I go up and down on him to be honest with you I don't know if I think he's a particularly great wrestler, I think he's fine Um, I think he has one match that he seems to deliver variations on, but I don't believe that's intentional. I I think he goes out and gives us a lot of effort, and we're going to see that later on, especially as he works his way through the tournament. Um, He was wrestling Goulias Jr., uh, the Bull of the Village, who's a big lad from Hungary. Um, And Goulias is a guy who I've seen a little bit in in WXW. He's been going and essentially losing quite a lot. Um, And this was just a match of two big lads hitting each other with sentons and shoulder blocks. And I think that was, that's just, it's just entertaining, isn't it? You know, I I really question wrestling fans who don't want to see two big lads battering each other. Uh, Goulias is really good. Um, He's good now. I think he could be a lot better. He does that armpit. Thing that the nasty boys used to do, where he shoves his armpit in his opponent's face, and I just feel that that's a little bit unnecessary for him. Really, it just—it's not particularly original. It's not entertaining for me. Um, I am famously a grump, though. Um, I feel like Gulliass is still at the scripted part of his career. He's clearly charismatic and competent, but he—he he just needs something, and I think that something is—is—is confidence in a lot of ways just to be able to relax into the ring it's not a gimmick he's got great swinging suplexes and I think he needs to learn into that uh, sorry, lean into that a little bit more rather than the shoving his armpit into people's faces um, because when they were locking hands and, and smashing it shoulder to shoulder the sound and the noise was just was brilliant it was that hoss fight that we don't really see as much as I want to and I've seen you know skin slap onto skin Um and I think I think he's got a real talent there. Um, the ending of this was a bit suspicious. Irie got a little bit close to the ropes on the pin, but it, this was a great opener to a weekend. We had a beloved star. Um, it was a big banger match and with high energy, and we, we we saw some classic moves. No one reinvented the wheel. It was it was just two big lads hitting each other, and I thought that was a really really great way to start the match. Then we had a tag match, we had Golden Boy Santos and Vaughn Vertigo against Norman Harass and Sebastian Suave. Or Suave, they kept saying on the on the commentary, but he's he's from Canada, so I, I thought it would be Suave, but but who knows. Um Santos is from Portugal. Um the Canadian team here were really gimmicky. Um, you know, I, I I sort of get that thing with people like Sebastian Suave. He's doing the old keep it back, you know, holding wrestlers back and trying to stop fights. Uh, and, and just generally being pretty annoying in in the ring, and he he said clever lines like, "My mum was gonna watch this," and I'm seeing this kind of heel routine a lot. It's he's, he's from the Mad Kurt school of wrestling, and I get it. I, I I do understand what they're going for. I should want to see him punched and and beaten up, but but actually I, I don't really care. And he wasn't particularly very good at that routine himself. You know, there was lines where he said, "Get out of here and give me my big, big pause, big, big pause, glory time." And I thought, well, you know, you you completely fluffed that line. And, and wrestling is is very much a, a live entertainment medium, and and if you if you fluffing lines, maybe you shouldn't do it. Um, Golden Boy Santos had a lot of fire, brought the match to life, but. It really made me think about comedy wrestling. This match and is comedy wrestling actually funny? I don't really know. I often find that if I'm live and I'm watching matches with comedy elements, I'm much more forgiving of it. I feel like sometimes I need that in a show. But, you know, if things are really serious for a lot of the time, it can it can become quite dragging. But actually, comedy wrestling it doesn't. It feels like you're seeing the same jokes over and over again, and, and and it's just one of those things. I thought Vertigo was was brilliant here. Von Vertigo, he had some excellent strikes, and he really reminded me of One Two Three Kid. I, I don't mean X Pac. I mean One Two Three Kid. You know, and I, I think that was a that that's a fantastic influence that we, we don't often see. Um, next up on the show, we had uh, RC versus Ava Everett. Uh, Ava's from from Smash Wrestling uh which seems to be using quite a lot of Smash Wrestling talent. Um Arsie is from Budapest, she's another one of the Hungarian wrestlers and and she had a really great look about her. She she came out screaming. Um she was actually quite scary. Um and then Ava was was really patronizing to her. She was just straight out of the 80s. Um, she had a chain in her pants, which I'm I'm not sure is good for wrestling. I'm not sure from a health and safety perspective we want that. But she looked fantastic, and, and she she had this this great throwback look, this kind of Lita era era look, which I thought was really really cool. Um, Aussie was was I thought was okay, and I I came on here ready to bury her. You know, I remember not bury her as such. I'm I'm not really that sort of critic. But she had an okay sunset flip, but she had a a, a terrible spear. Lots of wrestlers have terrible spears and, and, and I came on ready to talk about that. But then I found out that she's had a handful of matches. And for somebody so early in their career, I thought she was in, incredibly impressive. Uh, Everett wins uh, because she's got a title shot. Um, and, and, and that. But she was actually treated, I think, really well here. She was treated appropriately. I think it's difficult sometimes in these situations to get that balance right. And I think they did. You know, Avra got the win and it felt like a win. It felt like it mattered. It felt like it wasn't just a squash. It's something that anyone could have done. It, it felt important. And I thought that was really cool. Then we had Ender Kara against uh, Fuminori Abe. Um, Ender Kara, the circus assassin. Small guy, but absolutely terrifying. I've talked before on the show about wrestlers being intimidating and I think we assume a lot of that comes from size but I, I really don't think it does The I think it comes from how you carry yourself and Ender Cara has just got this intimidating air about him that really works Abe is a wrestler who deep poor people say is good um, and it's kind of nice for me to actually find out, I don't watch a lot of Basara and DDT and you're know, rather than just sort of nod along and go, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, I can actually find out for myself and tell you. And that's one of the great things about carrot is that we're gonna we're gonna finally get to make our own decisions about these wrestling. Um, this was just ridiculously excessive wrestling. Um, great grappling and you know there's grapple for ropes and they'd they be put. Abe's really good at when submissions get pulled apart he always gets like a parting shot in you know just a a sneaky little thing that i I think works really well um and the just got fascinating speed he's just he's he's not on the same level as an abbe I feel like he's one of those that's a step behind but he he's got that speed that's really interesting and he was really smartly booked we were just given a lesson here on what abbe can do we're going to talk about that in much more detail later um but, you know, Abe was, was really impressive, a little bit much with the comedy at the time. He, but he's good. He kind of flirts with breaking the rules. You know, he's, he's pushing the rules rather than breaking them. And I think that's a really key part of being a heel. I think a good heel doesn't just cheat, they push the rules. You know, they find out the limits of them. They, they let you know that they could cheat at any second. And I think that that's really important. Then we had Ace Romero against Dennis Cash Dulnig. Um, we, this match started with a dance-off. It started with a dance-off. And as soon as that dance-off started, I just absolutely switched off. And I feel like sometimes the wrestling crowd is their own worst enemy. We had one of my most hated things in wrestling, and I'm going to talk about a few of them now uh, in this show, but that thing when a wrestler's about to get into the ring And everybody goes, ooh, and then cheers when they get in the ring. I don't get why, I I don't understand why that's funny. And I know sometimes on this show I come across like such a grumpy bastard, such an old man. I just do not understand why that is funny. They were trying on each other's shirts and and the crowd are going mad and and I've got my phone out and I'm looking on Element Games for Model Trees for my war gaming. (laughs) That's the point I was at. I just, I mean, the bell rings and you know, Dodig leaps over and Ace Romero's drop kick is great and I've got a bit of a problem with Ace Romero. I I I think he's he's great at certain elements, but I wonder if there's a big curve with him because he is such a big bloke that I wonder if sometimes when I'm watching him I think that's good for a big bloke. Is it actually good? I, I don't know. Um that's something we're going to explore later on. Um there were lots of little details in this that I really liked, you know. Uh, like Romero absolutely launched uh Dolnig at one point and he ended up being pushed into the ref. But there was just lots of things in this match that were really needed, like Dolnig going for a chair when the ref was down and he was just really overbooked. I felt like this match went on far too long. It could have just been half the time and, and been a straight wrestling match, but it is what it is. Then we had an eight-man tag team elimination match. And this was the uh, the Hungarian crew, the HCW dojo of Dover, Icarus, uh, Maverick and Peter Tiani, against the WXW Academy of James Runyon, Oscar, Robert Dysker, and The Rotation. And I know the Arrows are hungry quite well. And I miss them being in Red Pro. And I just think they're absolute badasses. It's the song... You know, the, the Hungarian crew just felt so unified, the way they posed together in the corner. They were ready to fight. And I was all in on this. You know, it, it almost felt like a, a, a force ready to prove that they were better at wrestling than this other academy. And it just the, the setup of the match itself just lended itself to a really simple story that I, I was desperate to to be part of. Um Overall, it was really good. Uh, this was a, a bit ambitious at times, uh, Maverick missed a couple of cues, um, but I, I do like high flyers that look like they're on the edge. Uh, rotations the same; he always feels like he's right on the edge of what he can do. And I think with high flying, we tend to prioritise and, and praise smoothness, and I think that's great. But there's just something visceral about someone who looks like they're about to kill about to kill themselves. And there was lots of that in this that I thought was really good. There were lots of moments of juxtaposition in here where there'd be lots of high flying, but then a guy like Icarus would come in. And when Icarus comes in, he just gets serious. I, I don't know what it was about the Arrows of Hungary in this match. I don't know if it was the gaudy trunks with the flag. Uh, the boots were just really old school, they weren't trendy. Uh, but it just, whenever Icarus or Dover came in, it just felt legitimised. Uh, it felt like it was dragged into this area of reality that I just really engaged with um it's fantastic um and we got some legitimate mat wrestling, which was really good um some great strike uh, strike fest some great back and forth um and Tiani was fantastic and he's going to be a, a big a, a big takeaway from this uh weekend um so that was the opening show not essential by any means it was entertaining it was a really good you know the inner circle thing was just a really great idea and actually i think over the weekend this is probably the show that i was most entertained with overall um but not essential by any stretch but definitely enjoyable so let's get into the tournament proper and talk about carrot nice one two and three I bloody love a tournament it's one of my favourite events in wrestling just any kind of tournament I think it's because it automatically has that thing that I've, I've talked about before about really really simple foundations I think there's lots and lots of ways you can push wrestling as an art form lots of ways you can really really do exciting things but I like the foundations to be simple and there's nothing more simple or straightforward than a tournament if you win you go through if you lose you're out Remember when I first started really getting into wrestling and following wrestling? So not just grabbing random tapes or you know going to car boot sales with my dad and, and digging through finding old events. Um, one of the first tapes I bought with money that I wanted that was the latest event was Survivor Series '98, um, the uh, Deadly Games Tournament. And it's I mean it's rubbish, isn't it? Like I went back and watched it uh when the network came out. And it's absolutely pants but I think right from the start it was always about these tournaments because it just it feels exciting to have these brackets and to to wonder what's gonna happen and make predictions and, and I suppose as you get older as well for that smarky side of you to work out what you do. You know, when every year when they send round the uh, the G one pickums or the New Japan Cup pickums that Chris Samsa does or Voices of Wrestling does, you you think, Well, what would I do? Um you know how would I and, and I remember looking at those G ones and I'd always get them wrong every time I'd submit a pick'em and I'd get them absolutely insanely off base, like just completely bonkers. Um, and it, it allows people like us to have a look at booking decisions and and, and and evaluate what we would have done versus what a great booker would do. The start of this was fantastic. They marched everyone down to the ring. They all had their matching t-shirts and it, it felt legitimate. It felt like an opening ceremony to something. And the crowd were, were red hot right from the start. I mean, the crowd were red hot all weekend. Uh, but this really felt fresh. It felt good. Um, with They were reading out all the names and I was in. I was on board. And we went straight into the first round matches. And it was Coach Dreisker against Fuminori Abe. Um Abe, I, I was thinking a lot about him from watching the the Inner Circle show, and 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 this my problem with Abe was kind of exasperated in this match. I do think he's really good. I, I'm not, so sort of, he's not somebody that I, I I don't want to see. He doesn't annoy me or anything like that. But I just find he really dances on the silly. I don't know what side of the fence he, he, he falls on because for me when when wrestling gets too silly and too stupid it kind of it, it it turns me off a bit and he really dances on that line of being too much. There were moments in this match where he would jump over the ref because the ref was on his hands and knees and he'd use that as a as a springboard, but it it just why would the ref be in that position for so long? He just didn't. He was he was sort of doing a, a pinfall and he stayed in that position. He just seemed like a weird thing to do. There was a bit where he was um, breaking out of a submission to do a rope break, but instead of grabbing the rope with his hands, he bit it with his mouth. And but his hands were free. You know, he wasn't tied. The submission had nothing to do with his hands. He could he could have just touched it with his hands. Um, I feel like that's my problem with Abe Sometimes it's like he thinks of cool things to do. He thinks of cool spots, but there's no real explanation to them. There's no why would why would you do that. Um, I don't think he sold that well, um the drysco bomb absolutely knocked Abbe out for the pin um and he barely sold it he, he he barely did anything um afterwards. he just kind of stood up, but you know, I enjoy the kicks. I enjoy the fact that he's a massive prick um and when the hits came he he can back off with kind of a mardy look on his face and seldom with which is really good. Um, and I like the structure of the show here. This was a really exciting match with lots of power and lots of lots of energy. And a lot of that energy came from the crowd. But that that's what matters. It was the wrestlers that got them to that point. And I think that was a really, really great way to start the show and start the weekend, really. Then we had Vincent Heisenberg against Cara Noir. Um, I'm not going to go on my Cara Noir, again, uh, Cara Noir rant again. Um, because they kept this really, really simple. He's the former winner. Um, he came out. He wanted to do his entrance. And Heisenberg punched him just before he could sort of unwink himself. And Noir was fuming and raged at him because he disrespected his art. And, you know, some sometimes in this match, Noir sold before strikes landed. And Heisenberg is, is, is limited. But did I care during this match? I didn't. I thought this was a great Car Noir match. And I, I'm not a Car Noir fan. And he really made me think about Cara Noir as a wrestler, because he's somebody who's positioned himself as 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 somebody who pushes the art form. He's somebody who who who's doing new and exciting things. But this was the best match I've seen him have in a long time, and really, it made me think that the only thing that he's pushing, the only thing that he's doing that's any different, is having an elaborate entrance. And I don't even think that his entrance is particularly good. I mean, I'm not into that Finn Balor, um, Prince Devitt kind of performance out on the way to the ring. I like it to a certain extent, but it, sometimes it can feel very contrived. And I think Caron Noir is the epitome of that. Um, but this was a great match because it was really simple. He was insulted and he had to fight back. Heisenberg was bigger and he, he had to fight as the underdog. It just it, it just it made so much more sense, and I think it, you know Noir had to really hold on at points. He was really scratching um, when Heiserberg went for the power slam. He had to he had to really strike like scratch his way out, um, and he did a huge leap into a rear naked choke, and it just looked brilliant. It, it looked like he was really fighting, and I think it shows that Kar Noir has a lot of strengths that perhaps I ignore to, uh, as a fault of mine, but perhaps we don't always see. Next we had a great match and there's been a few good matches on in the tournament um, but I think this might have been my favourite and it was Peter Tiani versus Egil Blanc and this is two young wrestlers and I think Peter Tiani owned this weekend. I think he's the person that I I, I will be thinking about more and more um, as, as I leave this weekend and going forward with WXW because I thought he was absolutely brilliant here. Um, he's got a brilliant aura about him, Peter Tiana. He's effortless. Sometimes with wrestlers in their entrances, they can feel scripted. They can feel like they because I mean it is part of the performance. The entrance is is a huge part of wrestling, and it's a huge part of establishing the characters. But sometimes that can bleed into what we're actually seeing a little bit too much, and it can feel a little bit too contrived. Not so with Peter Tiana. He was so relaxed and effortless. His song is absolutely booming. He's got the cocky swagger off to a tee. And this was fantastic. It was a runaway train of a match. It it got faster and faster. The dive started to come. There was huge moonsaults. Um absolutely massive, huge moonsault from Eagle Blanc, which was which was just absolutely picture perfect. And yeah, of course, it was a little bit sloppy. These aren't veterans, these aren't, you know, they're not Storied veterans that, that have lots and lots of ring experience, but you know, roles weren't smooth, transitions were a little clunky. But actually, I think it befitted the youth. You know, it was almost like they were telling the story that they were arrogant, that they can do, they think they can do better actually that, uh, than they actually can. And I'm just kayfabe botches away there. It says a lot, doesn't it, about botches? If, if you tell an interesting story, you can just kayfabe them away in your head and it's gone. Um, and I'm really not asked about it. It had a sense of the Mitch Hedberg. You know that sort of comedian who tells lots and lots of jokes really quickly. If you don't like one of the one of the jokes that he says, that's that's fine because there's another one coming along straight away. Um, Eagle's knees um, off a springboard were great, and there was just a very a great moment of loud stillness, um, this static stillness of tired wrestlers where they're just they're, they they've given everything they can. Neither man can beat each other, and they're just heaving on the floor. Um, and it, it, it was just such a, a really satisfying match. Um, and again, he was really helped by the fact it was a tournament. You know, it, it's very different, I suppose, from Cara Noir, who's won it before. Um, he's trying to prove that he's not lost it, that he's still the best. Whereas with this one, it's two young wrestlers who are desperate to further themselves in the competition, and it was it was, it was a great story. Um, and both wrestlers could get so much from advancing. Men, Getting through and getting more eyes on them would have meant a lot, and it, it, it just it had those inbuilt stakes. A huge slice bread from Tiani won, and um, you know they they were arm in arm, and and they had a look at the ref at the end on the three to check it was three, but it was done subtly. So often those things, when they checked that the pin count um, was legit and that they actually got the win, it can seem really contrived and very NXT over dramatic. But Tiani played it perfectly. And I, I I think this was if you're gonna watch one match from the weekend and you know you want to find these, these hot wrestlers who, who you think are going to be are going to be around for a while and for the future, I think this is this is really one to go and have a look at. Then we had Dennis Kashdulnig against Lufisto. Uh, Lufisto isn't retired, it seems, um which He's good. I, I like Lufisto. I think I, I they were they was talking of um, Lufisto on the Discord Slack, and I think she's somebody who is really influential in very specific areas. I know she's done a lot for the Canadian uh, independent scene, and and she's a, a mainstay really in in WXW, and she feels like she's a really significant person um, to to WXW, and, and that was leaned into here by everybody apart from Dennis Cash Dennis Cash who. Who told this story that he was insulted that he was in the ring with a woman? It was all chokes and stomps, and you know, but Lufisto wouldn't be intimidated. She was, she did the underdog thing really well, and she, I, I really liked the way she ended this match, and because she didn't scrape a win at the end, she definitively beat Dulnik. She just got sick of being beaten down and just decided to turn the switch on and battered him almost like she was holding something back because she knew this tournament was going to be longer, grueling. Um, so she just waited until 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 she needed to and, and put the hammer down and battered him. And I, I thought that was a really good entertaining match. And with three matches into the card, that is it's just pacey and exciting, and, and I'm all on board. Then we have Marius Alani versus Ma- uh, Michael Knight. Um, Alani is a late replacement for Biff Busick and I, I know which which I prefer, um, but. Michael Knight was really the, the exciting part of this, believe it or not. I know that might be shocking to people who follow WXW. Um Alani just has a very definitive ceiling for me. Um, and this match was really boring and plodding. Um Al-Anne here felt like he was taking on that Triple H role uh, that he was giving everybody time to go for a week. He um, reminds me actually of a great quote that was going round, and I can't remember which wrestler said it. It was about Scott Hall, who who died this week. It's very sad, and obviously people were were sharing memories and, and, and quotes. And he's he, Scott Hall's one of those wrestlers that's just infinitely quotable. Just he, he's had so many great lines, and he was on a show, and a, and a wrestler, independent wrestler, asked him, "Oh, does anyone know when the interval is?" And Scott Hall goes, "Yeah, during your match." <laughs> I, I, I think that, that this was the interval match It was there's nothing really to, to, to grab hold of and I think it's a shame that Michael Knight got eliminated um, the ankle lock in this was just so flat he didn't even commit to it and I feel like if a wrestler isn't even committing to an ankle lock why should I commit to having any interesting thoughts about this match but it was what it was and we move on um, then we get Maga against Ace Romero um, I love Maggot's theme tune I'm not so sure I love the weird Jesus thing um, not because I'm, I'm religious, I'm, I'm not religious I just think it's a little bit edgelordy isn't it a crown of thorns, it reminds me of of that kind of Marilyn Manson era of music that we look back on now and cringe and you know I, I, when I was a kid my favourite band in the world was Mudvayne and now I listen to LD50 and it's all like you can't change me and there's a bit of an era of that about Maggot which is just, you kind of grow out of Um again, I think this is going to be a theme with Ace Romero, this was a match of pet hates for me and in a lot of ways sometimes the audience, is not to blame but it, it, it's a, a bit of you've got this hot crowd who are really into everything and and, and wrestlers are taking bumps and hurting themselves and, and sometimes if, if they're over and they're getting a massive reaction for, for just standing there they're not really going to do a great deal and there was dueling chance at the start and it went on and on, and on, and I feel like as these chants went on and on, this sadistic part of me was kind of bubbling in my stomach, and I was thinking, take some fucking bumps. I'm paying, I'm paying for this. I want to see you take a bump. Uh, And then they did a test of strength, and it's just, everything felt so drawn out, and as I said before, Romero's gimmick is, he's a fat lad who can wrestle normally, and it started to fall apart because I wasn't seeing a great deal of of wrestling. I just I think sometimes if you if you're gonna do a squash, just do a squash. There's nothing wrong with having short matches. If you're gonna drag things out, I mean, this was a three hour show. It could have been two hours twenty minutes. Um, there were moments in this where Maggot went for a choke slam, which is just weird because he he doesn't wrestle like an idiot. He, he 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 doesn't wrestle like he's stupid. Yet that was a stupid spot, and I felt like this one. This one killed the crowd a little bit. Then we had Sense of Alto versus Irie. And this is a tricky one because Sens is a big deal. And, uh, you know, he's, he's on a bit of a run. And But here is the big import on, on what you do. And again, that for, for, for the viewer and who, like us, that sort of quote-unquote intelligentsia who's watching with that niggle of booking in the back of your mind, it, it gave us stuff to chew on. Um, this went straight to violence. A little bit slower than I expected, though, and I, I, that was that was kind of surprising. Um, Volta did his dodging around the ropes things and did all this unreasonably complicated dancing on top, As he he's it, it, great. It's always entertaining to see. Uh, they told this really interesting story that Volta was just too fast. He was too clever. He annoyed Irie. Irie could always hit that big bomb, but Volta was just that that step ahead. He was a little bit soulless. I think having two rubbish matches in a in a row um, kind of killed the crowd a little bit. And the speed was a bit too slow. I, d- I don't know if that makes any sense. I know that might sound absolutely ridiculous. But it, it, it plodded a little bit. It felt like it was one of those matches where Volto was in control for a bit and then Irie was in control for a bit. But then there was a huge change. The fight and the... F- the from Volta was just unbelievable. There were moments where Irie thought he might have won it, and he just couldn't put him away. Um, there was a six-one-nine through the corner, which was amazing. There was a big sidewalk slam that that got me, and it was a little bit intangible at the start. again the the best thing the best way I can think to describe it was it was slowing its speed and I know that sounds absolutely insane but I felt like it needed something to bring the crowd back to life and they they needed that time to work each other out and it reminds me of that Lance Storm quote that I I think about a lot um, when he was asked about how do wrestlers who don't speak the same language, they don't have any shared way of communicating, how do they wrestle, how do you call things and his answer was, they just wrestle. And I found that absolutely fascinating and I felt maybe that's what it was here. They needed just a little bit of time to work each other out. Um, and it was a shame that it was bookended by Flab because they're two great wrestlers and they, they could clearly work really well and I feel like there's a better match here. Um, you know, Volta sold so well, the scratching um standing over Irie and slapping him not knowing what to do, not knowing how to finish it that's what both men really portrayed in this match is that they didn't know how to finish it um, and it, that, that that's just brilliant what well, Irie goes through and, and we're going to see all these people later on we're going to see Volto again um, then we got Bobby Guns against Jonathan Gresham um, and the presentation here was really good it was presented as a technical battle you had the best in Germany against the best in the world, which is just a perfect story. And you can tell what sort of wrestler someone is when they wipe the feet of the apron. And Guns did that. He was genuine. He he felt like he was respectful of the situation. He was it was subtle, but he was ready. It felt like he he walked to the ring like he had a thousand things on his mind, and all of them were holds and. Um, obviously Gresham feels like the epitome of this style at the minute I don't think he is, I think he's still Zack Sabre Jr by a long way but Gresham's really built this ROH title up to be a, a, a challenge and he just comes across like this stocky whirlwind they leaned into that story brilliantly throughout the match, they were circling each other before the bell, they were ready and it felt like stakes were put on stakes, were put on stakes. There were scissor headlocks and struggles from Gresham. It, it never felt like sometimes I've been critical of Gresham in that his grappling sometimes feels cooperative. It feels like he's just doing grappling. But actually, this was buttery smooth. He still maintained that practiced, well-oiled feel, but it did feel like a struggle. The pacing was excellent. It built and built. It was back and forth all the way. And it really could have been anyone's. And um, Gresham kept returning to an arm over and over again. And Gunn sold it perfectly. The panic on his face—he nearly got caught in a pin. And and it's amazing when these matches are done well, how small things can feel so eventful. There was a huracaner at one point that just felt like a massive moment because it it was a sudden change of pace. It felt like he was desperate almost because the, you know the technical stuff maybe wasn't working, so they, they go for the for the for the easy thing. Um, Guns at, uh, at some points I think w- was just a little bit of a step behind he, he felt like he was gassed at, at one point maybe he's, he's still smoking a bit too much um, but he, he just wasn't really on the same level as Gresham there were moments where he would try and do a bridge and he struggled with it and you think well did it Did it really need the, the bridge um, This so it really became a war of conditioning and again when it's great wrestling you can kayfabe it away um, I feel like there were moments with this where uh, there were just some spots that were coming through we talked in the last episode about how some spots are really becoming cliched now and I think one of them is where you set a wrestler up and do some kind of run off the ropes it it, it highlights the unreality of what we see, and I think um, but you know you can't always argue with someone being booted in the chest Um it, it, it strikes me as funny how, ironically, how Gresham's Pure rule stuff, and this wasn't Pure Rules, but it was in that style. It strikes me as funny how his Pure Rules stuff always ends up in strikes. It always ends up moving away from the technical stuff. It's almost like he's he's desperate for this technical stuff to work, but it, it never really does for him. Almost like this he wants to put across a style of wrestling that every night he's admitting doesn't really work, and it, it's not that successful. But maybe that's a conversation for, for later on in the episode. I love the handshake at the end. We're going to talk a lot about how they finish matches this weekend, and this is how I want it to be done. So if you watch this match, there's a lovely, masculine, stoic handshake at the end. Gresham went through, guns. you know, he, he put that, those feelings back into his gut like a man does, and he moved on, and they shook each other's hand. And it was just, it, was, it really suited the character of the match and the, and the story that they told Overall, this was, a I thought, a brilliant show. I, I, I really did enjoy it. It was uh, There's no match of the year contender on here. You know, I really like the Volta match. I really like the Volto match. Sorry, not Volta. Don't worry, he wasn't there. Um, he doesn't even exist anymore, does he? he, he you know, who is he? I don't even know. He's just he's a memory. He's a ghost sitting on the back seat of a car that you sometimes see in the rearview mirror. You know, you're past him. Um yeah, I really liked the Volto match. I thought the uh Peter Ciarni match was fantastic. And it was a really easy watch. There were things he was sort of everything was three and three quarters, three and a half, apart from the couple of matches that 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 were a bit flat. But what a great start. What a fantastic start to the weekend. The next show is shoot style. So let's load those guns, do some pew pews. Go and make another cup of tea if you need it, and we'll be back to talk about Ambition 13. The Ambition Tournament is a a lot of people's favourite part of the weekend, and I feel like it should be my favourite part of the weekend. But it's not. I don't really like it. Um, it's a shoot style tournament. There are three fifteen minute rounds. You can only win by submission, KO, or ref stoppage. And I feel like I should like this because, as I said before, I like my wrestling to be rooted in reality, and and, and this is as real as it gets. We're saying this is shoot style. This is real style. Um, my favourite wrestlers, people like Zack Sabre Jr. They, they, they are influenced by the wig and snake pit and, and, and that kind of shoot influence wrestling, the catchers catch can stuff and I really like that but I don't like stuff like this I, I don't like blood sport and I've been thinking about it and I, I think in a lot of ways that kayfabe almost negates things like this it almost seems hyper real, it's not real, it's hyper real, it, it's an odd reality to these sorts of things that I, I don't think really works and reality in in entertainment is obviously shaped by context. It's not a, a constant at all. You know, you you can't you can have an X wing in Star Wars, but you can't have an X wing in The Quiet Place Part Two, and and that just kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? Really, it's obvious. But I think they're breaking rules in pro wrestling that we have established and I don't mean rules as in as in you know pin counts and, and, and the rules of the game I mean the rules of the game in the in the Borgia sense I mean the rules that we've learned that we've learned to reward certain things in wrestling certain structures certain certain ways of selling certain things that we we, we have we have ascribed merit to and worth to that these shoot style matches kind of do away with and ultimately it a lot of the time I think these just feel like a UFC fight without the danger. And if you take a, a UFC or an MMA match and, and, and remove that danger, what are you left with? You you you're left with with a reminder of, of how pro wrestling evolved. You know, this is how pro wrestling started and we evolved away from it to make it more exciting. Um that's not to say these matches can never be exciting. It's just I think it's harder to be exciting with things like this. Um and we talked before about Gresham. Um, when the grappling and the shoot style stuff doesn't seem to be working, what does he do? He reverts to pro wrestling. And that's what happened a lot on this show. Um we had Lawrence Roman against Bobby Guns to start us off and it all looked great. You know, the tracksuits were good, guns came out less he was muted, he was he was less sort of pro wrestling because it was a less pro wrestling um environment. Um, You know, there were big strikes, real suplexes, you know, deadlifts and um, guns won. And I I sort of finished the first match thinking, this is great, but from a, I suppose it's great from a technical point of view, but I kind of want to just, just watch some wrestling. We had James Runyon against Icarus and Icarus is a beast. He's he's one of the arrows of hungry and he he he's suited to this kind of thing perfectly. Um and he was brilliant at the start. The way he looked at James Runyon, because James Runyon is very much the berobed pretty professional wrestler. And Icarus is not, and he he just he had he Runyon was great as, as he avoided eye contact with Icarus. He, he really he he sold the weight of the situation and Icarus was just staring at him like annoyed he was even in the ring and um Rudyard actually came out of this really well. He turned that panic into takedowns and it was a little bit weird and slow at times. And I, I like little moments, but it, it was, it was a bit scrappy and a, a few too many knockdown counts. Cause they did that thing where if you get knocked down, the referee counts to 10 and um, it became a bit desperate because neither man was particularly good at this and, and, and they had to really battle for it. And it was, it was fine. Um, we had Oscar against Abey, and Abey was good here. Actually, I I really enjoyed this, um, but I think I enjoyed it because it was a little bit more pro wrestling. Um, we start Abey's got this move that I think really highlights what I'm talking about here with this shoot style stuff. He's got a thump to the head. And there's something really horrible and primitive about that. It's it's, it's an old-fashioned thump where you kind of just boosh like on the top of your head and you can hear that. It's almost like a hollow, thick sound. You know the sound I mean, that that of a of a banged head that just must tickle some primitive part of your brain that hears that sound and, and hears horrendous injury. And, and, and Abbe does that a lot. But I feel like in a way, that highlights the hyper-reality that I'm talking about. Because that punch was real, but it was also clearly pulled. He's not really giving him a full-force punch to the head. But then later on in matches, and elsewhere in sort of the pro-wrestling rules, we do full-force forearms. So, on the one hand, we're almost highlighting the fact that most of our moves aren't designed to be the most powerful moves yet we accept them as, as as participants in kayfabe. We accept them as being incredibly powerful, yet we're being shown and demonstrated here that they're not. And, and I think that's that's really the crux of what I'm saying, is that, that, that kayfabe, often by silly workers, by people who scream about who's laced boots and who hasn't, they seem to think that kayfabe is something that is done to people, that we are worked, and, and we are worked often, and it's great to be worked, I love being worked. But the vast majority of the time, there's got to be a bit of acceptance from us. We've got to accept that what we're seeing is real. We have to. We just have to make ourselves believe that. And and without that, wrestling wouldn't wouldn't really exist. Um, and I think that that's that this kind of style makes that acceptance a little bit more difficult. Um, we had Enda Kara uh, versus Shigeru Irie, and again. Um, this was the one of the better matches on the show because it was pro wrestling we had the Robinson special style kick from Cara which was great um, I like the fact that Ender made a mistake and went for a takedown and that's what led him to, to, to losing you know, I like the fact he lost because he made a mistake That that's the kind of reality I want I think in my wrestling I think there's uh, there's a longer conversation of just how much reality do we need in wrestling and I think it's that kind of thing almost that emotional reality that we need then we had a next-generation fight, Golden Boy Santos, Santos against Peter Tiani. Um, Golden Boy Santos um, getting annoyed was really good here. Um, he got frustrated with Tiani. But the problem is, on a show like this, everyone's essentially doing the same thing at this point. Um, this actually, ironically, felt like it had higher stakes than the tournament matches because it felt like, again, young wrestlers um, fighting to get attention. Um the size difference look weird again. There's a, part, a, a point to the reality here that we in a UFC match you fight against people who are a similar size to you, and here they broke that rule. And uh, I, I, there was chopfests which were good, but Chop Fests are pure pro wrestling. So why not just do pro wrestling? Now I mentioned before about the handshake with the Gresham uh, match and, and the Gresham's guns match, and, and uh, there's a lot on this show about how they end matches. A lot of things wound me up. I think this was the epitome of this. Um they Tiani really leaned into the arrogance with this one. He was smirking, he he was he was really beating Santos. But at the end we had to have like the cuddling and the and the raising each other's hands and I don't know, I just don't again thinking about reality, does that break the reality of it a little bit? Are we just we're supposed to hate each other in this we're supposed to be really trying to hurt each other and and do people who've really tried to hurt each other then cuddle and and raise each other's hands and go you know when you have a real fight do you say oh well I lost but I put on a great show you know Is that and maybe I don't notice that as much in actual wrestling but I do notice it more in shoot style because you're asking me to accept that it's real you're asking me to accept that it's it's real in very particular ways and not real in others and it just it jars with me. And all of this is a little bit intangible. I know I'm not I'm not probably being as articulate as I could be, because I, I don't really know why I feel like this way myself. It's just it's just something that I've been thinking about and something that was really brought to mind during this match. Um well during this this, this whole show really. Um by the time Icarus and Bobby Guns came out for the semi-final um you know I was done I think the men grappled they fell to the floor and my eyes wandered to the oathmark rule book i'm I'm getting into rank and flank miniatures games and I want to f- build my army and I was I, I ended up just thinking about that really um I, I did like the stalemate here but again slaps and things it just felt really pro wrestling um we had abe against erie um again the thump to the head thing was here again and um, there were lots of horrible headshots, but there was also shoots there was also shoot style wrestling mixed with the pro wrestling in a really weird way you know they'd shush the crowd so you could hear the thump and how often do you see a, a real MMA fight where the crowd get hushed so someone so we can hear it, it, just, it just it's just jarring to me I know I'm repeating myself I just, I just don't know if it was uh, if, it, if it works for me anymore Um we had Fast Time Moodoo against Jonathan Gresham. Again, uh, I it's really, really weird with Moodoo. It, it, it carries on this theme of, of saying one thing and doing the other. And Moodoo did a, a great promo where he's like, I live martial arts. And it was just something really dorky and exciting about someone saying they live for martial arts. But then when the match started, he didn't actually do much in the way of, of, uh, of martial arts. Um, there were lots of, again, Lads going for grapples and realising later on that they needed to do something that was a bit more pro wrestling because this almost bordered on AMSR at some points. The crowd were quiet. There was an ambient hum. Um, and I found myself wondering how long the rounds were. I think they were 15 minutes. And I just found so myself thinking, are they 15 minutes? I can't quite remember. Um, Gresham uh, had to um, forfeit the match here because... He got his dick kicked, um, and the battered dick means a no contest. And Moodoo felt bad because it was an accident, but um, Gresham shook his hand and he he, he didn't he didn't blame him for breaking his dick, which which was nice. Um, You know it it happens to the best of us. We get our dick broken sometimes, and 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 whoever breaks your dick, you've just got to shake the hand and, and move on and accept. If you're gonna if you're gonna get in the shoot style ambition ring, you you put your dick at risk. Um, I, I I was done at this point. I, it reminded me I had that feeling. You remember when the Undertaker started wearing MMA gloves, and it just felt really dorky, you know? When you when you hear these stories of the Undertaker and he and he calls his friends the Bow Street Crew and he 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 says yeah I would have been a great MMA guy and you know you read those stories it, it reminded me of that story from Brian Pillman um senior, the the late Brian Pillman, and he said about how the Undertaker was always really insecure uh because he was a basketball player and everyone else was a football player and, and that led to some some really kind of toxic masculine behaviour and I don't know why that whenever anyone does this kind of shoot wrestling I, I don't I don't think Gresham or anyone is, is has displays any any display of toxic masculinity but he's got that kind of dorky feeling that that that, that has and, and sometimes it really lands with me and sometimes it really doesn't and, and this didn't. Um so we're at to Abbe against Guns in the final and Guns went for a handshake but Abbe slapped him and we were telling stories and yes we got ground grappling and, and neck holds and thumps to the head um, and it yeah it, yeah it was what it was and I know I'm joking about the rules here but the, the, the whole thing is about rules and it, it feels like sometimes rules in pro wrestling can really add and help and, and, and give opportunities for exciting new stories and, and 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 this this it really hindered it it had a really long ankle lock which, which went against the style you're telling me that this is shoot style and, and we've had quick tap outs previously in the show and this one had a really long drawn out ankle lock that just didn't really make any sense Um, again there were moments in this where they let each other hit the other you know they'd they'd stand and allow themselves to be hit which again in a pro wrestling ring is fine but you're telling me this is a shoot style tournament Um, so uh, guns stretches Abe's arm out uh, he taps out, I tap out and um, I think I've had enough of shoot style wrestling which which feels strange Um, so let's get on To some pro wrestling, then let's get back to Carrot Gold Night Two. So we're on to night two, and this is a bit of a mixed show, this one, because it's the first half is tournament matches, and then we've just got some big championship matches, as is usually tradition on night two. And this is when it started to to plateau a little bit the weekend. Um, the first show, Carrot Gold Night One, I thought was was really exciting. There were lots of really good matches, but this was similar in the sense that everything was pretty much of the same quality, or well, that quality was just ever so slightly lower. Um, we had Hector Invictus out against uh Irie to start with. Uh Alani was injured in his match and and, and Invictus was the uh, was the replacement. And I tell you what, a lot of people are talking about Regal and how much Regal loves a good pin, a good strong pin. And I think he would hate Hector Invictus because his pins were, were rubbish. Um for the opening match, it felt a bit flat, and it's weird to say that because the crowd were really, really loud and noisy, and and, and really clearly really into it on a, on a level, but not really in that genuine level. It felt like they were into the whole situation rather than the match, uh, which a sensed and 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 got them back on board with a massive cannonball off the apron, which is great. Um, this was was mainly just sloppy, lots of miscommunication, and just and just not that good. There was some good desperation at the end, but. Um, You know, big bombs from Irie A and his his, his moves and his offense is always really interesting, but not really much to report.
0: what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co
1: then we have peter Tiani, the man of the tournament against jonathan gresham and this was a completely split crowd which which i really liked um gresham sold that really well you know he 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 looked tiani up and down as the young kid like he was sizing him up and and and, and working out whether he was a threat and just that gresham's got a great look like a quick look to the side when he realizes that the crowd are on tiani's side um again this is that pacing that we talked about before about getting faster and faster and faster and, and eventually, you know, Gresham just had the crowd eating out of his hand and that was a moment that I really liked because it felt like the veterans saw it as a challenge that everyone was chanting for Tiani and he wanted to get the crowd on his side and when he did that pose he does with his leg out, kind of the squat with his leg and lift his arms up, the crowd were eating out of his hand and it was a veteran story told really, really well. Um and it was again just that really simple thing of Tiani played Gresham's game to start with, he played the grapple game and he couldn't keep up with him there was a really weird moment in this when Tiani sold a kick that never happened. I don't know if... I think he was maybe trying to sell the forearm. Because it was when he, he kind of ran the ropes and, and bent over double like he was going to shit himself. And sold that. Uh, it was like he sold a stomachache. Which I thought was a little mistake. But I, like I say, he's a young wrestler. But it was that Batista flat back bump weird. Um, that, 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 that is what it is. Um It went on and then there was topes and and cross bodies and and again the Gresham thing of he starts off with a grappling but it gets exciting when he starts to pick up the pace and do some pro wrestling and I I started to think about this technical wrestling and it reminded me in a way, perhaps because we were in Germany, but of the German purity laws with beer. I was reading a thing about the German purity laws where beer can only contain certain ingredients and be brewed in a certain way. And that's great, you know, simple beer is often really good, but a lot of German brewers find it's it's it holds them back because a lot of people want to see that your beer adheres to the purity law, because it sounds cool and it, it speaks to tradition, but it is is it actually the best way to brew beer? Not all the time, and it feels like that here a little bit sometimes with shoot style, that you have to be a Zack Sabre Jr. to, to really pull it off. Gresham snuck a cover and his cheer was great afterwards, it was like he he, uh, he he snuck it, it was almost like he was relieved and and that sold the tournament I think and it sold his opponent because like I say, this was this was Gresham's match, Tiani never really felt like winning and it wasn't appropriate for him to, to feel like he was going to win, I don't think but I think Gresham's put him over just in that little way that, that being relieved that he won I thought was really good then we had Maggot against Lufisto. Let's have a moment actually for Maggot's theme because Maggot's theme is brilliant. It's like a C sixty slide guitar thing, and it, it's really good. Um, I don't know if I came round to the gimmick in this match. I think it's just the right side of blasphemous, you know. I, I don't know if if, if, I, if I if I came if I came round a little bit. Um, Lufisto again was good here. She played the scratcher really well, and um, she she was great at telling the story of of feeling like she had something to prove. That mix of being the veteran but being in the position that she's in as the, as a woman in the tournament and 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 not and really wanting to to be dominant and and she played that really well and it was a, she she was really easy to get behind um when Maggot yelled "fuck you" in her face, she just swept him off his feet. She so did like the, the mortal combat down heavy kick and and uh, booted him in his face, which was which was great. Um, Maggot took control and it, it got really boring. Um, we got a fight back, but it, it was too late. And there were there were too many moments in this that really bordered on that Randy Orton hold style of match. Um, there were lots of really slow front face locks, and it just it, I think. You'd, again, like I said before, with the with the Ace Romero match, you, you, there's not a requirement for this show to be three hours twenty minutes. It can be three hours, it can be two hours if it's good. I don't really think anybody cares, but it, you just felt like they were dragging things out a little bit. It wasn't like they were resting to then go really hard and do something really interesting later on. It just felt like they they, they grabbed a hold and and we've kind of moved on from that style of wrestling. I feel. You know, you, you watch an eighties match and, and uh, you you expect that that was the style at the time, but it's not the style now. So why are we doing it? It's weird. Um, then we got Karen Noir against Coach Dreisker. It's um, so a weird thing about Karen Noir's entrance because the production of the whole show is was was brilliant. It looked fantastic. Um, it looked major league. You know the way everyone was lit, the way everyone came out. You know Bobby Gunn's entrance on night one, and it, yes, it was part of the way he was acting, and the way he was getting into it. But it it was the way it was filmed and produced and mixed. That he was he was brilliant, and it was weird to me that Noir's entrance looked shit. Um, it looked really weird and understated, and it's. I, I wonder sometimes again. Do I not like Noir because of what he does, or do I not like it because he what he do, he's not very good at it? Um, there was a little bit of of really weird acting for him that, you know, Dreisker, again, a lovely moment from Dreisker, wouldn't let Noir in the ring he stood at the um, as, as Noir was about to climb in and, and kind of pace back and forth whenever, whenever Cara Noir tried to find the spot to get in so he turned around and he did his winged thing, Cara Noir, on the outside um, which was good, but then he did like a really weird sulky face that just oversold it and um, the match was really good he, he, again it was, it was a good match I'm pretty much on the level of everything else on the show for the most part um, Dreisker dominated um, the back body drops here were so good that um, someone should dedicate a website to them just big big back body drops um, Noir was absolutely schooled and Dreisker looked dominant it wasn't particularly exciting but it, it felt like a really good way of telling the story um, it lost its way a little bit which again is a bit of a theme for this show Um, Dreisky got the bomb, his his big um, sort of liger bomb style move and um, I had to re-watch the ending because it came as a shock, I didn't expect the pin to come and actually when I watched it back, because I had to go back and watch it again, I I realised they had built to the ending but it just didn't really land Um, it just... with Noir kind of scrabbled out and, and tried to get his move and then and Dreisker then got his finisher and it was sudden but it, it was clearly signposted but I, I just missed it um, I like the promo at the end as well Dreisker's promo was really good you know Karen Noir was on the to-do list and Karen Noir is done and he moved on I thought that was a, a really great great thing um so they're the tournament matches. We had a few other ma- uh, bonus matches. We had uh, the Rotten Flot Invitational Number One Contender Tag Team Tournament, uh, Tag Team Gauntlet. Sorry, not to- not three tournaments. We only had two tournaments. Um, started off with uh, Spastin Suave and Norman Harass, and you know it was comedy stuff. And then Dennis Dulnig came out, and he signed Invictus without his knowledge, and he played his music, and he- we weren't sure whether Invictus was going to come out, but. Um, Rot and flot were alright here. They were arrogant shits, they were dominant, and it felt fresh because we hadn't seen them. Obviously, we're at the point in the tournament now where we're seeing a lot of wrestlers who we've seen constantly throughout the weekend, and we haven't seen them yet. Um, Baby Allison and Victor Heisenberg came out and were, were wacky. Um, Heisenberg got himself disqualified, which was stupid. But then we got Senza Volto and a uh, Ike, um, Ike Blank, and they got a great tag team. What a great tag team and they were really good against Dornigga and Invictus, and this was a this part of the match was great and then bobby guns and michael Knight were in next and and again the production was just so fucking good and it, the chant of bobby guns mixed with the synthy music and these two people who who who'd been eliminated from the carrot tournament and had, had clearly gone away and found something um, that they they could they could make a new sort of fresh start and and i, I just got lost in this part of the match it was so good it was, the, it, was the, it was the kind of thing where you just get lost in in watching it, I'm not. When I'm watching for the podcast, I'm constantly typing on a Google Doc and thinking at take uh, of takes. And I was watching this, and I just stopped typing, and I just watched these two people, these two teams, sorry, wrestle, and just really enjoyed it. And I thought about how many stars can I give this match, and I, and I don't know. It was a constellation on a dark night. I'd fuck off with stars. It, it wasn't part of that. Um, there was a double Spanish fly that the wrestlers could barely do, but they could barely do it in a way that was so good because it felt dangerous and you know the crowd were alive and I, I just wish um, Guns and night had had a match against Volto and Blanc. I just thought that, that would have been better. Um, an amazing moonsault from Volto, just absolutely brilliant. And suddenly all the overbooking nonsense that happened earlier on in the Gauntlet match was forgotten and I, I just thought that was brilliant. Um, abdominal stretches with a boot to the face later on that I really liked. I just thought it was so good. And um, Night and Guns won, and, and are now number one contenders. And then obviously the tag tournament's a big deal in, in WXW, and, and these two, I, 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 I loved them. I thought it was great. Um, then we got the Shotgun Championship. Absolute Andy's injured, and he's had to give up the. Uh, he's had to give up the title, and, and Shotgun matches are decided by lottery, and the lottery was Ninja Mac against Ace Romero. Um, yeah, Ninja Mac from GCW, um, the world's worst promotion, I believe. Um, GCW, I, and I'm not really willing to take any any questions on that one. I think it's it's self evident that GCW is shit. Um, we're back to the Ace Romero problem. There were. They managed to have dueling chance at the start of this match for a good forty-five minutes, which is weird because there was a fifteen-minute time limit on the match. And I do blame the audience now. I was nice about the audience earlier on, but this was stupid. We didn't need dual chance here. I could see the the clock counting down, and the wrestlers were just looking at each other. Um, there was a couple of big back body drops. Shout out to Ian. Um, and ninja was skulking on the outside afterwards, not wrestling, just sort of shouting. Um, the crowd chanted for head headlocks. Don't chant for headlocks, you know. Head, chant for effort, please. You know we don't we don't. The headlocks are fine, but we don't we don't need more of them. Um, at one point, Ninja Mac hid under the ring and he he, he snuck out the other side because he's a ninja, isn't he? And that was probably the most exciting part of it. Ninja Mac sells like an idiot. He sells like an idiot. He sells like he had no concept of pain before he entered the match. He's, you know, he's, he's selling as if pain is a new concept to him every time he goes into the ring because he forgets. He, he, I didn't enjoy this match. Then we had a uh, the Tag Team Championship match. The Champions Arrows of Hungary against Stephanie Mays and Vastai Moodoo. Um, Moodoo and Mays are terrifying. Um, they're, they're very... They, they're children. They look like children, but they look like children who could kick the shit out of me. And I'm 35 years old, and I'm terrified by people who are much younger than me. Who look like they could batter me. Um, maybe it's an insecurity, but I mean, because most people can batter me, but I don't mind it if they're older. But the fact that these two people are younger than me, uh, it makes me feel a little bit insecure. But people who aren't going to be battered are going. The arrows are hungry. Their entrance here, and like I say, the production all the way through has been fantastic. But their entrance the outfits were amazing the way the camera they they stood on the on the on the uh, on the entrance sort of the stage where they they come out and the camera panned away perfectly and they've got these these outfits on that that suggest there's a frightening Hungarian mythology that I've never heard of but it would make me shit my pants if I read it and and they just look terrifying. They're they're so cool. They absolutely rule the arrows of Hungary. Um, They're not the best wrestlers in the world um, but I love them anyway. I don't care. Um, This had a a big match feel. Um, You know, Icarus played being arrogant really well he was up against a woman and again that story of being he felt like it would be easy but she battered him she absolutely kicked him um and it to the point that Icarus actually shit himself and tagged over him which I thought was really good um there was a hot tag you know May's really spent most of this time getting beaten down to to build to that hot tag and Moodoo came in and he isn't very good you know he's he's got lots of cheese but not much chutney and you really need the chutney sometimes um there was the crossfire, late pin interruptions, big boots. Um, I think May's got the pin, and she deserved to through sheer hard work here. You know, she 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 was the star of the match, and um, there was a nice bit of respect afterwards, which I hated. I, I felt like this the match was too violent to have the the the, the love in at the end. Then we're on to another championship match: um, Iva Kalaski versus a- uh, Ava Everett. Um This was just nothing. I I just don't really have an opinion on this match. It, it was it was um Everett can, can lay in a choke. Um I know a lot of people rave about her, she's from Smash Wrestling and, and all the promos and things, but um there was just lots of awkward mumbling conversation for lots of this match and, and I was again being distracted by Zona Alpha by Osprey Games. I I found myself looking away and and being distracted. Uh, Ava Everett's the new champ, and, and that's the end of my review for that match. Then we had the uh, the big one, the WXW Unified World Wrestling Championship. Axel Tischer against Yearns Simmons, Tristan Archer, and LeVaniel. Um, Bit of a theme at the weekend here that Lavaniel really came across as a star. He was really built and I think that was really important. Um he's got this thing going on between Lavaniel and Archer where Archer is clearly jealous of his uh, of his youth and that's and a nice little wrinkle. Um I thought Tisha's character here was brilliant. He was almost promising to police the match. He was saying that, you know, there's all this stuff going on and all this, 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 these arguments, but, you know, I want a proper match and I'm going to make sure there's a clean, fair match. And it, it, it was a really championship kind of promo, which, which was really good. Um, Axel Tisha came out like a badass, you know. And do you know, there's something in this that during the entrances that I really appreciated is that the commentary knew when to be quiet they knew when to stop and just let that mo- little moments breathe like they have lots of heart-shaped balloons for Lavaniel and they let him have this moment where he came out and looked like a star um I really like Lavaniel. I like the fact that he's a little bit of a prick I don't I like the fact that he's not a pure blue eye um, and he feels like we can really get behind him um my issue with this match is the same that I have with every multi-man match is that wrestlers work other wrestlers while others take turns and again there's a bit of a hyper reality to this that this sort of thing we see wrestlers will get a punch to the face and then they'll lie on the floor for for five minutes and you think well you take you're going to take 15 of those punches in a minute and be fine and carry on wrestling and i find it hard to kayfabe that i find it you know i earlier was saying about botches i could forgive them because in my head i can just explain them away and then they're gone but i can't explain that away um the effort was there throughout this, but there was just lots of very contrived, um, pre-planned spots. Kind of wanted Archuleta and Raviel to just just have a have a match and, and settle the feud that way. Uh, I'll be fair though; it was swift. There were lots of believable pin attempts. I, there was multiple moments where I felt like it could have ended. Um, it just you, lots of moments like Simmons had an absolutely mental frog splash that I thought was really good and. Uh, Archer ended up getting the win, and it just—it's a shame, isn't it? it just it's, it's, it's four ways um, and never good. But we have got four new champions, so it shows lots of moving pieces for WXW. I think this shows that it'd be a, a great time to to jump on. So that was the end of night two. A little bit of a of a three star special show, but it's all leading to to the final. It's all leading to where we're go- we're going to go with the semi finals and the finals, So. Let's see how it ended up and let's see if they can save the weekend. So all roads lead to the final and here we are. But actually, we've got to get to the semi-final first. I don't know why I said that. And the first one was uh, Lou Fisto against uh, Coach Dreisker. And this was really, you know, much the same as everything else on the show. It was three stars. There was a, clearly a little bit of a story there that was that was interesting. There was two bruisers facing up against each other. But it kind of had the same story that we'd seen from Lufisto all the way through, that her opponent underestimated her and she has to prove herself. And she did do that. I mean, she's mad over Lufisto and, and she could get a simple story out of failed fight backs and... um there was a, a little bit more brutality from Dreisker here than we'd seen previously in the tournament, but it, it was it was really just a match as much as anything. Um, but it was very definitive for Dreisker at the end, which I think was important going into the finals. He, he, he it was almost a reverse of that first Lufisto match where she just put her opponent away. Um, it, yes, she, it wasn't easy. She had to scrap for it, but in the end, it was one person fell off. And here it was Lufista who fell off and, and Dreisk was able to put her away. Um, then we have Gresham versus Irie. I, I really felt like this should have opened. I think this was huge, huge bombs from the get-go. Um, Gresham did some really weird grappling in this one. Again, this is... This should be a a show for when technical wrestling goes too far because Gresham went too far here. He did like a weird foot lock. He just put both his feet on Irie's feet, and that meant he couldn't be lifted up, even though Irie had hold of his his hand. And uh, that was to me that's even worse than the Paradise Lock. Um But Irie was probably Gresham's best opponent because he didn't really try and, and grapple. He was all power with big shoulder blocks, and uh, Gresham was technical in his responses. It wasn't... There's often that thing with technical wrestling as well where the opponent tries to be technical in return, which always seems really silly because you're against a technical specialist. But... um, they didn't do that. I thought that was really good. Uh, Gresham was flying forearms all over the place, and it was a great one where he he, he delivered a couple of flying forearms and then the third one, Irie caught him and, and dropped him in a Samoan drop, which was fantastic. And there was lots of great exchanges in this, like speed grappling uh, ended by big clotheslines, and it made me think why we would not had more of that previously. Um, and this was I thought this was a, re- a really good match. Um, I, I think that you know, lots of great kickouts. Um, Strange ending. Uh, I liked it though. Um, Gresham got a figure four and kind of stood up, which meant that Irie was pinned. It was almost like he was he was forced to remain in that pin position because of the pain he was in, and I, I thought that that was a really weird way to finish a match. I really liked that. Um, we had another drawn-out handshake, you know. I'm sick. I'm sick of handshakes at the end of matches. I'm. I am do not know if, if I'll calm down on this one, but you know, Irie was crying and he was upset and he didn't want to shake Gresham's hand. But Gresham said, "No, you're going to shake my hand." And then he shut. Just, just fucking get out the ring, go away. Um. Then it was non-tournament action. Uh, Ava Everett against Baby Allison. Uh, new champ. Ava Everett came out and did an annoying promo. Uh, it's just. Screamed heel, I am a heel. To me, I know a lot of people rave about A. Everett's pro and it didn't really do that much for me. Um, this is one of those matches where you end up worrying about your claner account. You know, your your mind wanders to to other life admin. You know, you think if I fall asleep in an hour, what time can I get up and still feel like I've had a lie in? You know, it, it was just it, it just wasn't particularly. Uh, Anything of note, really. It was fine. Um, Alisson wins, and uh, Eva Kolaski comes out, and we have another route. We're probably going to get a freeway, aren't we? Um, and it was Cara against uh, Dennis Cash-Dulnig. Uh, Dulnig was really shocked when Noir unwinged, and I don't really know why, because that's Noir's whole thing. That's his best thing. He does the unwinging thing. Uh Actually, I thought Noir was good at the start of this. He was smarmy and arrogant, and I think he played that off really well. Uh, but it just really soon descended into creepy faces. And when they got too close, Duny got a mask out of his duds, and then Noir got a mask out of his pants, and they put masks on because they were close. now. but they 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 were close. And I read answers on a postcard for that one. I, I, I don't understand. Um, there were lots of holes in this. It was very toe-based. Uh, I mean it was decent enough, it was forced at times. It's just a bit heightened where it shouldn't have been and uh I don't know. the the ending was Noir became dead weight and he he, he collapsed before a kick. You know, he Dornig went for a kick, but he he passed out um, and he, he ended up using that to to trick him. Uh at the end. He, he pretended to to be to be to be woozy and, and to to be I don't it's just stupid this match. I I wasn't into it. Um, it made me question the structure of the shows actually, I, I, I kind of wondered if maybe this could have been a dark match I don't really feel like I needed to see it uh, then it was the Shotgun Championship it was Ninja Mac, our new champion uh, versus Maggot versus the Rotation versus Endakara um, Ninja Mac was an idiot, here again, he got his, no- his block knocked off uh, quite a few times uh, Endakara received the most powerful move he wrestling which is the punch to start a three way that meant he had to well a four way in this case which meant he had to sit around on the outside uh, again Ninja Back was Ninja Mac um, he's GCW fan build of a good wrestler isn't he he's what GCW fans think he's good and he's not. He's shit he's rubbish um there was lots of speed in this, lots of high flying, and actually, do you know what? I'm going to take that back. Ninja Mac was actually quite good at this. When he started doing the high flying, he he was actually good, and you just think, well, why didn't you do that uh, more often? Um, and then Ninja Mac, I mean, he did a jump off the balcony, and when I say he did a jump off the balcony, you might be imagining like the Budokan one or the the one from Progress at the Manchester show. This balcony was higher than those. It was insane. This was like a shame at mad level bump. And look, I'm calling him shit and I'm saying he was rubbish. And I've got to take that back when somebody does something like that. Because he's just absolutely phenomenal. Um, Maggot got the pin in this. And um, he got a really genuine pop. That's infectious. So I I thought that was really good. Another um, exhibition match... uh, uh, Tisha against Abbe. Uh, Tisha sold the uh, the loss really well. Like he was just something in his entrance. Like behind his eyes, he was annoyed that he wasn't in the in the um, in the, the decision. I think and and he, he lost his his title, even though he didn't really lose the match. You know, he didn't win, but he didn't lose either. And I think Tisha, there was an air about that there um, to him. This was decent enough, but it was a gentleman's three. Um, you know, he's Tisha got his arm worked and he sold it. He sold the arm and submissions were moved in too quickly and it was just a little bit boring. Uh it was impressive to see Tisha do this thing where he was he was he was in an arm bar but he he, he picked Abbe up and squatted with him on his shoulders. But it was a bit of an Ingve Malmstein solo, this one. It was technically impressive, but only an idiot would think it was great. Uh slap fest was was decent, but I, I think I was tired at this point. Um, and I was I was done. And we had this one. We didn't just have handshakes. We had handshakes, bows and cuddles. Then we had a, a tag team match. Three versus three. Lucha Libre rules. We had Senza Volto, Eagle Blanc, Ace Romero um, against Icarus Dover and Peter Tiani. And this should have been good, shouldn't it? This should have been really good. And it started off really good. There was lots of jumping around. Lots of exciting moves. Um, people doing cool shit. And people doing cool shit is cool. What's not cool is dancing. And I, I don't I don't care if this makes me seem grumpy because I don't like it. They they had a massive dance off. Uh Icarus and Volta started it, and as soon as they started dancing, to me this match was immediately a dud. Immediately a dud. I mean music, they started playing music and it, it was rubbish. The crowd liked it. The crowd were wrong to like it. I i I said I like Arrows of Hungary, I said. I thought they were great. Now I don't, based on this match. I've I've gone on their cage match and I've I've rated them as zero. Um, <laughs> you know, when the wrestling started again, I was I was pacing around my garden, surrounded by my own ripped up shirt that I ripped off in a rage. Um, not really. I can, I can ignore this. I, I still like all the people in this match or most of them, but I, I just think, I, I, no, not for me. Then we got to the finals, and this really needed to be good. I think it, it really needed to be good um, because since the end of '91, we've just had a lot of three stars, and there was not not much was was really bad over the weekend. There were a couple of bits that I didn't like, and you know the dancing I've just spoken about, and a few matches didn't land. But overall, everything was good, but I felt like we needed a great match. We needed this final to be to be something special, Uh, and I'm starting to wonder maybe if Gresham just does have a bit of a ceiling. Um, I've always liked Gresham, and because he's been on a European tour, I've I've watched more of him in in close kind of proximity. You know, I'm seeing more of his matches more regularly, Um, and I I don't know if he's if he's got a ceiling. Dreisker was good here, he, he went straight to the corner, he did big punches, he he, he went for he did the Dreisker bomb early, which I thought was really good, um, we, he, and we were straight into the action. Uh, he, Gresham then told the story of, of desperately trying to recover, and it was a dominant performance from Dreisker, and we've seen Dreisker be dominant before and end up winning, um, but I feel sometimes with Gresham you see the cogs moving, I can see the story, but I, I can't really feel it and then we ended up with bear hooks and waist locks um, again talking about being able to see the story rather than feel it halfway through the roster that came down and were banging on the ring and it, it just felt really artificial and there was a forearm exchange in this because we, we have forearm exchanges in matches not because it warranted it um, second big dry ska bomb got a kick out and Gresham, to be fair, was great in the closing part of this. That he was infectious. That he got come on with his arms wailing everywhere, desperate for the win, it was really good. Um, and he won the match. And Drysko got his heat back, brother. At the end, he he he, uh, he beat up Gresham, uh, and he beat up uh, Francis Caspin. He, he, he targeted his, his injured back. The sporting director was was forced into retirement because of him. It, it just felt a little bit strange because you know minutes ago we had wrestlers surrounding the ring and and cheering and, and congratulating Gresham, but, but none of them felt the need to stop this. It, it, it spoke to a bit of a problem I've had throughout the show of of, of moments taking precedence over sense. Um, but that's it. That was the sixteen carat gold tournament. Um, it's a strange one because it it wasn't bad by any stretch but there were very very few high moments and I felt like he just needed a couple of really really big sort of shining lights to to, to, to cling on I think to, to to really recommend it I thought Peter Tiani was brilliant I think they've clearly focused on building younger stars like they have been during lockdown and I think that that's obviously really smart um, but it, it was just a bit of a shame that it never really seemed to hit the heights that it needed to it's definitely something to cherry pick. I don't think it's something to sit and watch from from start to start to end. And, and well, I, I've done that for you, so you, you don't really need to. Um, but I, I would I would go back and watch that then Peter Tari matches because I, I thought they were great. So that's it for another episode of Eurograps Express. Thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it was relaxing. Um, I don't know what we're going to do in the next episode. There's nothing been up from RevPro. There's no. Uh, I think there's a progress show. I choose you, choose you, but we'll 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 avoid that as best we can. Um, but I hope you have a lovely fortnight, and I will see you again in a couple of weeks.